0: Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, your host, welcoming you to another awesome edition of podcasting here. Uh and as you can see this week, I am joined by Dr. Pat Hendrickson and she is an educator and has taught and has done a lot of different things, but I'm gonna let her introduce herself because she's got um well Pat, how would you welcome to the show? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, Thank and you for having you? me yes.
1: back again. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm very much like you, Chris. I'm a lifelong learner. Okay. There we go. I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm actually in another degree program myself, but um I teach university students in a number of, oh, a number of different programs. Some are freshman programs, or college success seminars, and that's how I really came to know you in um, reaching out and discussing with you how happy I was that you went back to earn your degree and how I wanted you to be successful. And, uh, I was here to help if you needed me, you didn't, but I was here to help if you did. And, um, I also teach business courses. I I have a business degree, and I teach uh, organizational behavior and uh, knowledge management, as well as uh, nonprofit courses, that sort of thing. So I teach a lot of different courses as an adjunct for a couple of different universities, and I also am involved in ongoing research in the, I guess, my research methodology is grounded theory.
0: Mm. And, and what is that?
1: What is that? I'm going to put it really simply. Yeah. It's um, rather than going into a research problem, if you will, right, going into the field about research and saying, okay, well, I'm going to prove or disprove this hypothesis, this idea. I'm going to prove that all blue-eyed people like bananas. Well, you don't go into the field proving or disproving anything. You go into the field, and it's mainly about, uh, in my area of research, social science, group behaviors. And you look at what's going on. You ask what they call a grand tour question. Um, in my initial dissertation, the question that I asked was about uh, virtual worlds and online environments. And I, uh, I asked, tell me about your experience in virtual environments. Mm. And it's an open-ended question, and the respondents share with you what they think think, what they feel their experience was, and then you code the data and you look for commonalities Mm. within that information, Mm -hmm. and then you categorize it. So um, then you find out by looking at all that data and comparing the data of each participant to the other, you find out what the main concern is of all of the people involved in that particular group behavior
0: got it got it okay cool well thank you for sharing all of that sure, it's a. it's welcome. and and having done some you know deep dive research of that nature myself or my paper I, I get you know how involved and and actually in a way how fun it can be too you know it's not just sure. drudgery <laughs> of you know of of big words and pedantry you know it's it's also um fun figuring things out like that because One of the things, one of the fun things about research is when you learn things you didn't know before. Oh yeah! And you go in with certain ideas, and you look at all this data, you collect this information, and then the data tells you something that's new, that you go, "Oh wait a minute! I never, I didn't see that. I didn't expect that. That wasn't, huh? What about that? And that's That's always." That's
1: exactly what happened to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And we're probably going you know, if, to, if, if I go down this path, we may go off track a little bit. But um, in my research, I had been involved in career education and people transitioning from the world of work. And I thought that when I went into these online games and environments that I was really going to be looking at economies, online economies, Mm -hmm. and skill sets of people and what were transferable skills that people had that they could take and transfer, you know, into a real world. Mm -hmm. Well, or if there was any, you know, commonalities in them. Well, in my research, that was not what was the common thread among people that I interviewed. What was common among people was they weren't sure who they were really talking to. And this was before we had video like we do now. Mm. They weren't sure who they were really talking to behind that computer screen. And we still have a lot of that now. You know, you hear the term catfishing and whatnot. Oh, sure. But um, so my dissertation became test driving gender in virtual worlds and people using different genders to play different characters and represent themselves. Um, and there are, you know, five paths to that theory. But uh, it was mainly about, you know, why are you being a girl in an online environment when you're really a guy mm. and or or vice versa? Mm-hmm. And and there are a lot of reasons for that. Some mm-hmm. are very practical and, well, I guess they're all practical to some degree, really. <gasps> so how interesting. to get back to your point, yeah. I had no idea that's where my research was going to take me.
0: There you go. Exactly. So
1: it's very, you know, it, it can be really interesting. You learn a lot of things about yourself, as I know you did in your program. Yeah. Learn a lot about your subject matter, but also about yourself. And like I had some preconceived notions. I thought I was going to be studying, you know, skills and economies. And it's not what that turned out to be at all. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, one,
0: one almost wonders, not that I'm like some old hat at this now, but one almost wonders, you know, if you're not learning something about yourself in the process, if you're not learning more about other people in the process, I would really question the value of either the research method or the time that you're investing in it or how you're going about it, because that's kind of the point of research is to learn things. But but I, I think on a personal level, there's, a, there's just a deep um, there's a possibility at least of, of variance uh, deep insights into yourself, you know, and, and, you, and your own story, so to speak. Um, you know, when you're especially Absolutely. doing social science research, especially, I think more so than say, Quantum physics, or something like that, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. especially since I'm not very good at that. Right. Me too. <laughs> <That> exactly. <quantum laughs> physics.
0: Exactly. Who knows? Maybe a quantum <laughs> physicist might go. Oh no! I know all about myself now. Well,
1: that's true. Let's hear uh, you know? from some, right? Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, getting around to uh, what we're talking about today, we've we've gathered again here for sort of a part two, and it's been over a year since we talked, which is shocking to me. I could not believe. I had let that much time pass. But this was the idea of us talking was to help people who, uh, specifically, this is targeted to people who have come out of coercive control situations like, you know, that my channel tends to focus on. But really, it applies to anybody. Um, You know, if you're hitting the reset button halfway through life, this isn't going to apply to you. If you're fresh on to, you know, your educational route as a young person in life, this is really gonna to apply to you too. I mean, it's really, you know, pretty, education is one of those things that that, that you, you have to be a pretty, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you'd have to be pretty dead inside for education to not matter to you or for it not to be able to have some positive effect on your life, I think. and I, And this is one of the reasons why I'm so big on education is because of the power inherent in learning new things, whether it's a skill that you're applying in the real world, whether it's knowledge or information or facts, even trivia and factoids. I mean, they have their place. All of this contributes to making us who we are. And, and it's a way of, of contributing to ourselves, our identity, our life, where after you're out of the mandatory education band, the choices are yours. They're 100% yours, or they should be. And, and you get a voice in shaping the direction and course of your life by setting up and putting yourself through the, the, the grist mill of education. And it's not easy. And sometimes it's the opposite of fun. Sometimes it's great fun. Sometimes it's amazing how fun it is. Other times, not so much. But there's always the other side and the accomplishment of the other side. And there really are, I really just don't even have words. And I and I got a lot of words, but I don't have the words to describe the euphoric feeling that I certainly experienced many times during my higher education process. And so so this show we're gonna talk about last time we talked about, you know, just education in general, getting your groove in, getting figuring out the resources, what do you do, where do you start? This time we're going to go, okay, now we're going to take it to the next level and look at higher education and the possibilities and potentials of that. So that all being said, did you, uh, Pat, did you want to say anything to start with on that?
1: Yeah, I when uh, I wrote you a little email to congratulate you, Mm -hmm. and then we talked about reconnecting uh, uh, in a podcast, um, I really felt that people needed to hear your story, Chris, okay. and how you, and I know this is your show, so I don't want to take over interviewing <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we well, a conversation. It's all good. <laughs> it's
1: but all good. Um, I think it's very helpful to hear someone else's story Um You know, I have my own story. I went back to earn my education as an adult, and I had a lot of insecurities, and some of those were based on things people said to me. So some of them were my was my own baggage from many trips before. So I thought, Chris, you know, what were some of your considerations when you decide? How did you come about? finally deciding, and what were some of those considerations to earn your degree?
0: Yeah, great question, and uh, and very relevant to what we're talking about today. I, I, I waited a long time. I had a desire years ago to pursue higher education, to go after maybe a four-year degree, get a bachelor's in something like psych or social psych or something like that. And then I was confronted by the, the the financial side of that. And it, frankly, right then and there, it stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I, it was not a lack of desire to learn. And I had spent and have spent many years since leaving Scientology learning about the psychology of cults and coercive control and, and what that's all about and the sociology of it and even digging into... You know, the brain and the neuroscience of it, you know, with the little uh, tiny smidgen of, of knowledge that we have on that front. It's 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 still such a developing field. So so I tried to approach it from a lot of different ways to try to understand and answer my questions along the way. Well, why? You know, you get one answer and then it, it gives you 10 more questions. And you're, oh, my God. Right. And what about this? What about that? So I thought higher education might be the route to deal with that and, and really kind of nail it down. And also it would help, this was kind of big for me, I don't know how much this is for other people, but with the amount of learning I was doing and study and, and research and interviews and, and, you know, YouTube videos and stuff like that, I, I felt like I was on, I always felt like I was on shaky ground with my knowledge because it was self-done self-taught and and sort of self-determined as to what I was which videos what books what papers where was I going and having limited access to the literature in other words the actual formal academic body of knowledge that's out there most of that stuff is is behind paywalls it's very hard to get to and there's, there's ways around that, and I've learned, but at the time, I didn't know anything about it. Academia was this fortress of, you know, this sort of crystalline <laughs> fortress in the distance that I, you know, sort of saw glinting in the, on the horizon, but I could never really aspire to go there or, or, or be part of that world, and so I was always considered myself a bit of an outsider. So, so those were the things that were sort of barriering or stopping me from, from going forward. And really, it it really did come down to the money. I'll tell you one thing, if, (laughs) if I've said this before, I'll say it again, you know, if, uh, if, if, if L. Ron Hubbard was right, and I believe that he was when he was quoted as saying that the way to make easy money or the way to make a buck is to start a religion, well, I'll tell you, criticizing a religion or denouncing destructive cults is the way to not make money. That is, that is there is there is not the big money in that. So, um, so I didn't really see a, an outlet or an avenue for me to pursue that. And rather than get caught up in the in the loss of that or the quote unquote tragedy of that, I just went, well, I guess it's not for me. Yeah. You know, I guess it's not going to happen. And. And finally, what changed all of that, and it changed it really quickly, I was totally unpredicted for, unseen, and I was very happy. It was really an accident of circumstances. Um, Two things happened. First thing is the program that I ended up doing, the Psychology of Coercive Control program, uh, which is a master's level program offered through the University of Salford, was created it, it it hasn't existed for decades. It's a very new program, and it was created by Rod and Linda Dubrow Marshall, and they're um, wonderful people who have been in the cult anti-cult fight for decades. They're, they're 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 trained psychologists. They are um they're they're great people, and they both have their own you know cult background and all that. So they started this. Uh, education program and uh, this master's program. And they started it as an in-person program in Salford, uh, which is over in the UK. And I learned about this in 2018. I went to and spoke at um, an International Cultic Studies Association conference, the ICSA conference in Philadelphia. um, And I met Rod there. And I'd never met him before, didn't know anything about him really at that point, except he was a name of many of the people who were involved in the the ICSA world. And in meeting him, he talked about this program. And I was like, wow, I would love to do that. That's that's amazing. And then he hinted, just hinted at the possibility that you wouldn't necessarily have to have the four-year degree in order to do the program. And I was like, what? What? highly unusual very right I didn't even know that was a possibility period much less you know for the field I'm so interested in and I had to bookmark it though because it was an in-person only program and so it was only offered at the at physically you had to go to Salford well again money and time and my channel and the fact that you know the as we were saying before the show you know it's, it's sort of uh You know, it's like Dune, you know, the the content must flow, right? I have to keep it going. And so um, so I couldn't see taking a year off and putting my channel on hold and my life on hold. I mean, I could see it, but only if I had a really good paying gig at the end, right? It wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so I didn't really see, in other words, I didn't see the justification, the balance of, you know, my life and the factors of my life versus higher education wasn't panning out. And again, I shrugged and went, well, damn, maybe someday, who knows, you know, and that was that. The second thing that happened that opened the door to all of this now and to the life I have now is COVID. Yeah. COVID hit. And when COVID hit in 2020, it hit hard. As we all know, we all lived through it. It was awful. The one, the one thing that I can point to in COVID and th- that entire time period, that was an actual huge benefit was the program went online. Yeah. Because a lot of university programs went online.
1: That's right. And the reason for that is many, but mainly it changed their business model. Right. They didn't have, you know, customers, if you will, coming through the doors. That's right. And there. You know, we talked earlier that a lot of my background is in grants writing and funding. And um, typically, if there's a really big problem, the government will throw a lot of money at it. And a lot of the universities got COVID funding or applied for COVID funding, and they chose to use that funding in different ways. And some of that funding... um, was used to underwrite college courses for students or to change the tuition structure a bit. And that made it, uh, I guess I'd say that that made it really available and attractive to a lot of students. Now, something else that you had going for you, Chris, that this is my business background coming in in terms of your I'll just say service provider. I know educators really cringe when I say that, but w- we are providing services to people. Yep. And, you know, they should be at a, a good level of service. But um, in terms of providing that service, if you have a new program, if you have a new program like the individuals you referred to, we're launching a new program they want it to be successful mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. looking for candidates good qualified candidates like yourself that have a successful track record of doing what you do and bringing your base of knowledge to them
0: yeah
1: so mm-hmm. if you have an opportunity if anyone has an opportunity to enter a new program i would say that it's almost always preordained for success
0: Great, right. if right. they can yeah. get
1: enough students in and usually there are not you know hundreds of students flocking to a new program that's right but you will get a little bit more individualized attention if you can come in under one of these types of umbrellas mm-hmm. and i don't care if it's a you know, a welding program at a, at a trade school and they've never had welding before, but a local uh, business is kind of underwriting the equipment or if it's, you know, basket weaving or, or whatever it is, um, I really encourage people to consider that because it's challenging when you have new programs because It's new, and people are not always aware of the issues that they might encounter or the circumstances. By that, I mean the the teachers and the educators, and even the administration itself. They may not be aware of some of those dilemmas they'll encounter. So there are growing pains associated with new programs, and you may get a lot, well, we never had that happen before, or we we don't know the answer to that. So there may be some waiting and delay, but I can tell you they really want you to be successful, and they're not going to put a lot of roadblocks up in your way. And that's how I earned my master's in education. They had a new program, and I was working in the field of education, really without a degree, but I had a talent for getting grants, and um, I was underwriting courses for teachers, and I thought, boy, you know, maybe I could pick up one or two of these courses myself, and... um, use them as electives towards my bachelor degree that I was in the process of earning. Mm. So I did that. And then I became acquainted with people at the different colleges and I learned about their new programs. So there was a program where very much like you, I kind of got in under the wire because it was new and they wanted students. Yeah. And I was supposed to have to take, um, the GRE, that's a test you take, uh, your general, uh, for, I guess, requirements equivalency. I don't remember mm. what the exact name is and the MAT, the Miller's Analogy Test. And um, I said, well, I took the teacher's test. Would you accept that? Because I didn't want to pay to, I didn't want to pay for the Miller or the, the GRE. So they said, well, okay, you know, we'll take that. So, you know, I think that if you're really motivated, like you were, Mm -hmm. to get in and get something, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask questions and see if they'll take you under certain conditions.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. And that's the only way I got in was actually doing I mean, I'm li- literally living proof right here of everything yeah. you just said, because that's, that's exactly how I got into this program is I went from you can't be done, can't be done for this reason, for that reason, for the other reason to wait a minute, maybe this actually can happen. And once I learned it was online, I started emailing with Rod, the, the program leader or director or creator. And um And it was new it was fresh it was it was was like you know only two or three years old at this point you know by by the time covid was rolling around i think they had only done a couple years of this and they offered a full-time and a part-time version of the program and so but but full-time it's a year program through the through the as a master's program and um and so once it was offered as an online program suddenly the idea of being able to do it from my home was incredibly practical and I could continue to keep my channel going. In other words, keep my job right. while doing this work. And I, you know, maybe in hindsight, I might have I might reconsider the full time versus part time versioning of that because I was doing two classes every, you know, And there were, the, the, in the UK system, it's divided into trimesters. Um, so it was a uh, you know, third of the year, third of the year and then third of the year. And so for the first third, it was two classes. Second, third, it was two classes. And then the third term was the research paper, the research work. So, um, so two classes were rough. That was, that was a lot of work. And even without the UK system again is different uh, because there was not constant testing. There was not, there were no pop quizzes or, or midterms or anything like that. It was all the work, all the grading relied on the papers that you wrote or the presentations that you did. And it was kind of an all or nothing kind of thing with that. And um, but the point you made there that is, I think, the most important point is not the logistics of the program. It was the the willingness of the staff and the university to really help because they want the programs to succeed and they want you to succeed in the programs. And this is at this level. I'm not talking about. If you go, I, I think it's probably a little bit of a different situation when you're talking about your freshman, sophomore, regular 101, yes. 201 type classes where they're just piling bodies in, and you got you have to go through the you know the process in order to get up to where you want to get to. Well, I got to like I said, I got to skip that line, and and that's part of that help is getting to skip the line. There's a legit program to do that. It's not just some off the cuff thing that that these program directors created it's, it was a it was a formal part of the university that that if you had professional level experience or some other educational experience that legitimately put you in a position where you really did know this stuff and you didn't have to go do the four year degree just for the sake of doing it you had an open ticket into this program and The uh, tremendous amount of work I've done on my channel and writing a book and, you know, all the all the work I've done, it all paid off. That was that was it. That was the professional expertise they were looking for. And I was able to present that and sailed right through. And I was accepted in.
1: They you know, they've they've changed education a lot over the years and they have what they call. um portfolios and that's similar to what you describe mm. people are allowed to enter a program bringing with them their life experience and you know you have this wealth of your you've got over 350 some odd podcasts, right? right? That's right. May, what number is this one? right? Yeah,
0: we're up to we're probably up to like 360 or something right now. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, you have a body of work, you've interviewed so many experts in a wide variety of fields. Now, not everybody's gonna have that and be able to bring that to the table, but mm. I think that it's really important for people who have been um, indoctrinated through a cult or uh, some sort of church education or even a, in a, an abusive relationship, to not diminish what they've done in the past and yes. think they're coming to the table with nothing. Right. Because everybody has what are called transferable skills. And I would like to talk to you about some of those, but I think that there is very much this construct that you described, such as pop quizzes and testing and oh gosh I hate that myself Chris and I I don't like to do that to students and I don't like it done to me as a student and so I think if someone is considering entering a higher education program they might want to ask to see a syllabus or two, or for you know, if they're speaking with an advisor and going through these channels, or speak to some students. Because if you're not a testing person and you're afraid to get into a program like Chris described, where you're getting pop quizzes and that sort of thing, you know, I'm not going to want to enter that, right? But if I'm able to be in coursework where I'm having, you know, discussions and maybe, you know, writing papers, considering ideas. And I can tell you, my students don't actually like writing papers. Not, not many of them say, oh boy, sign me up for writing papers. Right. But um, a lot of universities have projects and depending upon the way they deliver information uh, one of the universities that i work with they have projects and you work towards building your project by creating different component elements Mm -hmm. and then you get the opportunity to revise them before you present your final uh, project so I think that something people want to consider is the what we would call (laughs) instructional methodology, the way that they teach, the way that the courses are, you know, delivered. Mm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put anybody off by thinking that they're going to have to do tests all the time or be afraid of a pop quiz. Cause I have test anxiety myself every time I, I still have to take tests, even though I have my doctorate, uh, you know, for my postdoc fellowship, I had to take some tests and research and boy, I was nervous about that myself. Mm -hmm. So I just think that, um, you got to find the right program for you. And you did, and, and they're out there. I think people just need to take a little more time and, and look at what they're looking for.
0: Be selective. Exactly. Exactly. Very much so. You've, you know, you do have the time as an adult to, you know, to check this stuff out. I, um, I didn't actually do as much of that research as I could have before diving into it. It was really the, 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 the program was of such intense interest to me um, and I just, I, I, I just went, well, let's go, right? And one of the things I think, maybe you could respond to this, I'm not sure, I, um, I found the attitude and maybe it was the UK versus US, I'm not sure. I really cannot speak right now to a master's or doctorate you know, in the US versus in the UK because I've only experienced UK. And in the United Kingdom, they are very much a sink or swim kind of situation when you are in that. Um, you're at a master's level now. They're not coddling you. That's a you. difference
1: right there, They're, sure.
0: Right? They're not. It, it's not. A, and, and and so they kind of, though, the way I interpreted the experience was not um, a, a one of a heart through a harsh lens. I did have a couple issues with the syllabus and the way that the program was laid out and I took those up with the professor at the time because I thought the introduction to it you know could have been a little smoother um you know there was a certain sink or swim with the research methods class specifically and the 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 fact that they started you with statistics and some things that were very hard for me to get my wits Mm -hmm. around to start with and I came to learn though because I was blaming myself for not having the four-year degree and jumping in, Mm, and the sink or swim attitude of it was like, well, here's the data, and it's your job to assimilate it. Um, I was was greatly, it was a great relief when I found out uh, all my reasons were wrong uh, as to why I was having trouble with it, because all the people who had come in fresh off a four-year program or who had done one in the past were having the exact same problems I was. It was no different. And I was like, oh, really? And they were like, yeah, this just isn't necessarily being spoon fed to us. You really got to dig in, right? And I was like, oh, okay, all right, cool. You know, and we all figured it out. And I don't know anybody who didn't make it through the program, by the way. You know, I mean, there was not failures in this. There was an intense amount of assistance I and others received from our professors and advisors while we were doing it. And the university had tons of resources on their website for how to write papers how to do the the citations yep. how to i mean it's all there for you there nobody's trying to make it. it is nobody's wanting you to fail nobody wants you to not make it you know but you do have to work at it and th- and if you're not willing to do the work well they're not going to spoon feed you either so it's it's uh, it, at the master's level you got to bring it so it's kind of a little bit of both, you know, I think in in terms of what you're going to expect to have happen to you, it's going to be work, but it's not impossible work.
1: That's right, Chris. And, you know, you have a quality about you that, um, many people have, they don't realize it. They're what I, what, are called self-directed learners, and mm. and that's really what it takes to have a college education yeah. because to have a degree in higher ed or just even to take a few courses in higher education, like you said, it's not going to be spoon-fed to you. It's It's about what it is that you want to acquire through right. the course.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: What do you want? Uh, a lot of times, my students will say, "Well, I'm having trouble in your course," and it always makes me a little bit sad because, no, it's not my course; it's your course.
0: Right. That's right.
1: So let's talk about it. What is the trouble? What are What do we need to do? You know, yeah. where's Where's the trouble? And so I think. Usually what happens is a student does not realize that there are resources and supports and ways to be successful. They're just not looking in the right place or they're afraid to ask. And that was my problem as an adult learner. And I can even remember... And it it pains me to this day to know this about myself that you know I had a a test if you, I had a test and I said to the instructor and I was going to a program that was um, in an evening program after I had completed my work all day I drove an hour and a half to take a four hour course and I said to the instructor Gee you know you graded this answer is wrong. It's marked wrong, but I can show you on page 259 where it says this exact same thing. And the instructor said to me, well, if I graded it that, that's what you're getting.
0: Oh, come and on. Wow. Wow.
1: I, I really didn't know how to respond and I just sucked it up and I said, you know, okay, you know, I, I don't, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to ask. I was, Really afraid because, no, I was kind of insecure about being there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Do I really belong here? Can I do this? Or, you know, geez, how do I navigate this dilemma? I thought this person would say, oh, I made a mistake. Okay, well, here, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, fix it. But that's not what happened. And I didn't know enough to bring it to someone else who was, you know, higher on the food chain than that individual who was probably, who was just doing a part-time job and didn't know, they probably didn't know the process of changing a grade. So instead they just, you know, pushed it back on me, you know, and maybe they were going to give me a pass on something else. I don't know, but I think, you know, being afraid or reluctant to ask for help. I think that that is one of the, biggest issues my students have, aside from the money issue.
0: That's a good point.
1: asking for help.
0: Yeah. You know, that's a really, really important point. And, and I, I, I can't speak to, you know, the broad body of people who go get education, but my own experience and what I've always encouraged other people who are encountering trouble or problems in the program I did. Was you know, is communicate. Open your mouth, say something, right? Let people know. Professors aren't psychics. How are they supposed to know you're having problems in their program if you don't tell them? How are they know that there's a problem in the program itself if they don't get the feedback from the students telling them there's a problem in the program? It's not always on you. And that and and hearing that actually openly acknowledged. By my professor during the program, he was like, oh, yeah, this research methods thing. You know, like he definitely commiserated with me on that. And we sure. don't have to get into all the details of it because I'm sure he doesn't want me to. But it was, you know, there, there's ups and downs in any program. It's put together by people and people That's are flawed. That's right. That's
1: right. You and, know? you know, it's put together by a committee usually.
0: Mm, even worse. So
1: right? <laughs> I mean, seriously,
0: right? So right. you sometimes need that individual advisor attention and that's what they're there for. And in a smaller yeah. program, especially when you're at a higher level, you have those minutes or even hours with your advisor or your professor where they can really help you out or the, I don't know, the TA, whoever it is who's going to help you reach for that help. Do not ever be bashful. It's not just a matter of you're a paying customer it's it really comes back to what we were saying at the beginning is is that these people want these programs to succeed. they want you to pass that and in fact, if you drop out, that threatens the viability of the program for the people who put it together because if they have too many people dropping out the, the university goes, well, this isn't succeeding well right?
1: that's not a, that that's part of it Chris, but you know. The government, right, looks at everything and the and the universities and the colleges and the trade schools and anybody who accepts student loans, any organization that is accepting student loans has to really monitor their enrollment and retention. Mm. So you get in so many people enroll, how many of those are being retained Mm -hmm. and how many of those are you know defaulting on the student loan or you know dropping out after two weeks because they didn't realize how much time it was going to take or their job is interfering or you know whatever Mm -hmm. so uh, there's always a very hard look at enrollment and retention and in the classes that i teach Uh, I'm very mindful because for a very long time I carried student loan debt and I don't like to see anybody carry any student loan debt, especially if they're paying for a course they failed in. I don't want anybody to pay for failure. Uh, That breaks my heart. So usually um, your instructor's care if you pass or fail, because that also reflects upon them. Now, I'm not going to say that it's, you know, their responsibility to see that you pass. Right. But, you know, there is some responsibility for maintaining a connection with students and, you know, doing what you can to help, you know, motivate them a little or, or direct them to the resources that they need. And so I think that you know, people have to think about, can they be self-directed? Can I ask for help? Can I ask for help when I need it? Can I do these things on my own and feel comfortable about doing it on my own? Yeah. And I say, yes, if you can go to this store, you know, if you can log in, you know, you can pretty much get an education.
0: I would I would definitely agree with that, and I'll add another layer to this of support that you have, at least that I certainly experienced, and I don't think I was I don't think this was some rarity. I hope it I hope it wasn't. Is that um, you know at the higher level at the high at the masters and above levels you are going to have um, your cohort your your other students the people who are studying with you and in my case for the United States online program, there was a very small number of us. There were about 15, 20 of us. And, um, and we were lectured and we had a weekly, um, with the lectures we saw, but we just generally didn't see them live because of the time difference. But what we would get was a live Q and A or discussion or consultancy with uh, as a group with the professors uh, each mm-hmm. week. And so we could answer any, they could answer questions about the lectures or the presentations, uh, help us out with, you know, things that had come up along the program or the papers we had to write and focusing on how to go about doing that. What's this? What's that? What do we expect from you? Here are the requirements. You know, we had to do an oral presentation at one point. Okay, it's gotta be this and PowerPoint, and here's how you do that. So all those kind of fundamental logistical type, you know, nuts and bolts type questions and every week we got to meet with them. And then we had, you know, if you needed, you can have a separate advisory with them. But the support structure that that created, even online, um, you know, I ended up becoming like social media friends with some of these, yes, these absolutely. folks, right? And we could interact and, and share. This is where I learned. It was through the back channels, through the sort of social media connections that I learned Everybody else was having the same hard time I was having with the statistics sure, stuff. Sure. And it wasn't just me, you know, or no. people were so worried about those papers because the whole grade relied on it. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm stressing out. I'm losing my shit. Right. All this. And <laughs> and people were really freaking out more than I was. And I was like, damn, you know, because I didn't think that was yeah. possible. I mean, I had, you know, right. I got to be. <laughs> I mean I got to let's let's talk turkey about this for a second yeah. because the pressure can be intense and it's and it's self-generated way more in Chris, my case. It is.
1: oh my goodness then, it really know. is and I some of my students I can't I can't express how much pressure they put on themselves I'm not doing it to them I right. promise you <laughs> right <laughs> Um, right, but you know they have so many competing priorities, and you know many have families, and they have jobs, and you know they have bills to pay, and they may have, they may have taken out a student loan or taken on a part-time job to pay for school, and now the time that they had allocated for school is gone because they're taking this part-time job on to pay right. for school. Right. So all those competing priorities the desire for the student to be successful and then so many students are not doing it just for them they're doing it for their children or their family they're the first one to be to earn an education and they feel the weight of the world on their shoulders yeah yes. so a lot of that pressure is self imposed or People think they have to be perfect that yes. they have to get an a yes
0: and I thought I thought my papers needed to be publication quality or they weren't <laughs> going to be any good.
1: I know that about right? you as a student from hearing you talk, <laughs> yeah. I know that about you right yeah.
0: and that was that was ridiculous. I was doing that to myself and. And you notice something along the line here is we're, you know, we're like 45 minutes or so into this talk so far and not once have we brought up any cult specific stuff or baggage connected with any of this. Everything we've been talking about is what everybody experiences when they go through this stuff. And, And we could add that layer, but I really actually having done it now. That was an excuse that some of us used during the time is that we thought we were having a hard time because of our cult background or, you know, the abuse in the background or the trauma from the background. And I am not saying that's never a factor, but I am going to say that if you jump to that right away as the problem You might not really be accurate in that. I was wrong about that in my own self-assessment. And I watched others make the same mistake because talking with you and others and getting through the program made me realize it's just kind of its own thing. And and that pressure that we bring on ourselves is not just because we were in a cult before it's just what we what people kind of do to themselves in these situations and you it have is. to kind of learn through the process how unnecessary that is
1: I, I recently had I, I had two kind of interesting situations recently well actually several that I, now you know that you're speaking about this everybody comes and they you know they bring their own little special load of suitcases with them in terms of their baggage and usually online people introduce they have there's an introductory conversation people introduce themselves and sometimes my students will introduce themselves as being you know uh uh a former drug addict or recovering alcoholic or, um, you know, a a single mother or, you know, whatever it is. uh, Someone recently was, you know, a cult member, somebody else said that they um, are a newly transgendered individual. Mm. And all of these different aspects that they feel are really going to be a barrier for them are not. They actually, right. I have found, enhance their experience
0: in some way. That's a great point. That's a really good point. And I, and and because it's because it's a it's it's how we're I believe here in this talk here, how we're trying to frame this is it's a net positive, not a net negative, and. And I think that's an important way to approach it. It's not necessarily that your background isn't a factor or that it's not going to rear its ugly head during the process of education. I'd be amazed if it didn't at some point, especially with the kind of trauma that is carried around from a coercive control situation. You can absolutely find parallels to it in higher education, the pressure and the demands and even some of the. You know, thought reform techniques and stuff. I mean, yeah, that happens. That crops up from time to time, but but really, it, I believe it would be a it would be a more correct and positive way of thinking about it. That you survive that, you're here, you've made right. it. Use that as a strength not a weakness, look at it as a strength, not a weakness. Look at it as a net positive that you made it.
1: And now look at
0: where you are, you know?
1: I, I, based on what I've seen in you and other students, right? You weren't my student, but you know, I get to see your podcasts and all the different wonderful things that you do. And I'm so proud for you. I'm just so proud for you. But it's because you are self-directed and you have skills and talents that are transferable to education. And I would posit that some of these skills that you learned through your Scientology experience are those that transferred to your education.
0: Yes, Yes, let so, me actually speak to that for a second because I would. Is, I want
1: you to talk yeah, about
0: that. This is important because of one of the things that ex cult members or domestic abuse survivors again, this is across the across the domains of of course of control whether it's domestic violence, cults, gangs, whatever, red right? trafficking. If you survive that stuff, you come out of that stuff, a a, a common problem or complaint or issue that people think they have. And sometimes it's legit. I'm not saying it's never not a problem. It, it very much can be, but it can also be made into a problem when it's not. And that is, well, I don't have any skills. I didn't. I don't know how to do anything. I don't have any job experience. I didn't. You know, I, 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 I don't have. Don't have. Don't have. Well, you weren't idle in the cult. I mean, that's the thing about <laughs> cults, right? Is, you know, I learned. A tremendous number of skills as a cult member. And let me please share with you beyond my own story. I know a man right now who just got out of Scientology very, very recently, and his skills um that he had learned in um in computers in IT and in that realm um in organization in management, in, you know, in different things that this person had taken part in for many, many years, um, all transferred out. And when he sat down to write his resume, as I understand it from our our talks, you know, he I I said, write a skills resume, not a job history resume. Don't highlight who you worked for, highlight what you can do because you can write a resume or a CV that way. You don't have to do a chronological sequence of the jobs you held, and it's all the cult. You know, I was raised in the cult. And and
1: universities, colleges and universities have career centers, and they're very Mm -hmm. willing to help you with those things too, especially if you're a potential student. They'll help you assess some of those skills. So, you know, something that, I think is really important for people who have come out of any type of coercive control environment relationship situation is that I believe there's resilience and persistence and Mm -hmm. determination. And those are, you know, the, I don't know if they're, they're qualities or behaviors. I guess they are a little bit of both Mm -hmm. that, That are needed to earn a degree or any or complete a program, any kind of program, because you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have, you know, a day when you turn in a paper late or, you know, you have, you have to, I always, you know, my husband had to have his gallbladder out one time. You know, I mean, things happen to people. Mm -hmm. Things happen to people. Students get sick. It's not the end of the world. It seems like it is. But if you persist and you say, I can come back from this, who are the people that can help me? You know, before you fall down that rabbit hole and say, oh, you know, let somebody know what's going on That's immediately, right. just say, hey, I'm having a bad situation Um I'm well, sick, I'm hurt, whatever. You, you
0: know, something people might not be aware of, so let's let's highlight this, is at least in the system I was in, in the UK, in Salford, they had what were called um, PMRs, I think it was, or PMCs or something. It was like personal mediating request or circumstance, something like that. It was basically oh, an extension. Sure. It was, hey, yeah, I, we, I, can't, we have, I, I can't, I got We have what sick, they call
1: I, incompletes. We have incompletes okay. yep. in the US. Um And if a student is unwell or has a, you know, difficult personal circumstance and they've completed a certain amount of work, usually they can, depending upon where in the course it occurs, if they've completed maybe between 50 to 75% of the work, they may get some extra time. But you can't wait until after the fact. You have to be really proactive. You have to be ahead of the ahead of things and not think, Oh, well, I'll get it all caught up on the weekend or, <laughs> you know, yeah. when I feel better, I'll, 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 do this. So, um, yeah, there are certain, there are certainly, um, you know, different avenues that you can pursue so that you don't fall down and, and fail. Um, there, you know, like inter interventions, I would say. And, um, I would like to get back to a couple of other things. Oh, yeah, you yeah, had, please. You, well. you, had, you had talked about the uh, social support <laughs> that you got from your classmates or your cohort. Those are really quite prevalent in education today. Mm. They're, you're not alone. Um, one of the institutions that I work with has, well, they all have Facebook pages, They all have their own Facebook pages, and some of them segment out into different groups based on their program area. Um, Some of them have different interest areas like clubs or organizations or parent groups, whatnot. And most have um, office hours so that you can visit with your instructor online and just say, hey, I'm not getting it or what am I missing, or am I on the right track? And, mm-hmm. and students has, hesitate. They don't want to bother you. Well, please, uh, <laughs> you're not a bother. Yes. It's what I do. And I like to talk about learning, and I like to talk about what we're learning in our course. So, you know, call me up. You won't be able to get me off the phone because, you know, I'm interested in what's interested, you know, interesting to you in the course. Um, so, there are a lot of different ways that students can connect with other students. And I'm glad that you found that, Chris, and that you use that because it's so important for people who are insecure for whatever reason or not fully confident to have a support system. And it's, it's important to have a support system that's, you know, made up of family and friends. But it's also important to have other people that are in the same situation that you're in, at least in in school, because while your parents or your friends or even, you know, work associates can kind of, you know, cheer you on, they don't exactly know what your dilemma is with that particular statistics course whereas that's all right. the other people who are experienced in it they know exactly what you're going through oh, um on, you know on some of those issues big time so,
0: big time truer words never spoken i i i that's that's very very true i definitely was supported by my family uh, by my wife um by friends i had uh who've been through university right uh, i have very smart friends who who've, who've way smarter than I am, and they were very supportive. But most of the time, to be completely honest, their suggestions as to, well, try this or do this or do that, it weren't really applicable because the program that I was on was not what they had done, and it was at a different place, different time, etc. cetera. So, so it is helpful to have people to commiserate with, for sure, but, they, but there isn't really... Um, it's not the same thing as when you have fellow students or best for me, at least in my experience, was my advisor who happened to be my professor. That's not always that way. And advisors can be amazing all by themselves. They don't have to be your professor in order to be amazing. They just, but they're the people who actually know the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of the program and what you're exactly going through and what exactly the hurdles are you're trying to overcome and whether those hurdles are self-imposed arbitrary nonsense that you're just inventing because you think this is necessary and it's not or no this is legit yeah this is something you're really going to have to figure out and let me help you do so and that and i encountered both of those multiple times and you need that help to sort of sort through that sometimes and it's expected that you utilize those office hours, that you utilize those advisor times, that you jump in with both feet and in, and sort of, you know, maybe not, I'll, I'll say enthusiastically pursue your education, even if you don't have a smile on your face the whole time, right? I, I'm i going to be really bluntly honest because I want people to know that that this was not an easy thing to do. And there were multiple times in this year that I was doing this. Actually, I should say a year and a quarter because I got extensions to get through it um there were times I was in tears absolutely oh, sure. losing absolutely losing my mind I thought there were a couple of times where and I, that's I was... when
1: you should have reached out to me <laughs>
0: well, I you know I I worked it out but I'm just saying <laughs> the level of frustration can be surprising it and is the, and, yeah. and this is where I wanted to go with this is I wanted to sort of take this up and then maybe wrap up our show for this week this time but I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome because this comes, this rears its ugly head in higher education all the time, and I don't know one person who didn't encounter it or to even, you know, bring it up or talk about it before or after the fact of it happening. And um, and I certainly ran into it myself. So, would you, what what what's your understanding and experience of how that works?
1: Well. It's not really my area of expertise. I haven't done a lot of study in that, okay? Okay. Excuse me. However, however, I myself experienced it. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was getting my bachelor's degree, I'm like, okay, you know, what else do I need to know? You know, did I miss something? Oh, I didn't learn this. It wasn't good, you know, my program wasn't good enough. Excuse me. Yeah, no worries. So when I got to my master's program, I said to my um, professor, who was also my advisor, I said, is this statistics course going to be enough for me to pursue my doctorate? Because I'm not sure I'm learning everything I need to know to pursue my doctorate. And he was really highly insulted. He said, well, of course it is. And then, you know, but I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. And then even, you know, after I got my doctorate, I'm like, well, you know, I have an EDD, which is a more practical application rather than a Ph.D., which is more about the philosophy of -hmm. of whatever it is. So I'm like, well, I don't have that Ph.D. And then I'm like, well, I don't have a Ph.D. I guess I need to go get that postdoc fellowship. Mm. So so I pursued my postdoc fellowship. So and and I er earned that. But. I think for some of us, enough is never enough. (laughs) And, um, you know, we some of us, we just want to know more. and we are not confident in the things that we know and that things that we have learned. And I think sometimes it it takes a bit of reflection on on your journey. And where you have been and the milestones Mm -hmm. that you have have achieved along the way because I think it's very important to reflect on where you've been Um, and I think that that can help someone who is feeling uh, like a bit of an imposter at least that's my experience with it and students that I have in my courses, usually in, a, in the freshman course, the college success course, they're very afraid that they don't know enough to be there.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And one of my first experiences with a student um, who had been in a cult, uh, I was lecturing in a, in a traditional classroom and the third weekend she, she was physically ill. And, and got up and left the course and um, she came back and she said, I'm sorry, I, I just had to leave. And I said, that's okay, you know, do I need to, you know, get you some assistance? What, what can we do? And she said, I just didn't know what you were saying. And, you know, because her experience was not, what the things that I was saying didn't seem to relate to her experience. Mm. And so sometimes you can feel very lost in a course or in a program. And it's really that time to take a step back and, you know, reach out for help and have a conversation and find out, you know, where you had this little misstep and why do you feel like you don't belong here? You, everybody belongs, everybody belongs. It, and everybody deserves to get what they want and need out of life, but maybe you're not in the right program. Maybe that program's not for you. Maybe you need a different program. So I think that sometimes when people have that imposter syndrome, they feel like, you know, they don't deserve it. I'm not sure, Chris, is that what you experienced or how, how did it, manifest in your experience
0: well certainly there the, the deserved thing could certainly come up for people i could absolutely positively see how that rolls out for me it was more of the you know on the intellectual side of the doubts and reservations and uncertainties and fears that i was experiencing in my own knowledge set and you know, was I really up for this? Um, was this something that I could claim I actually knew anything about? Is this something that I was learning anything in? Am I getting anywhere? Am I, you know, should I even be here? How dare, and here's where it really manifested is, you know, how dare I call myself an expert? You know, like what, you know, what, what gall, what arrogance, right? That that I would dare to claim such a title. And, um, and I started throwing that word around actually a little bit before I started my education. And so I was like, well, I know all this stuff. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I think the thing about it was two things. First thing was somebody told me many, 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 many years ago uh, something that, I, that rang true then and I still believe is true now, and that is that we kid our we, we fool ourselves we kid ourselves we we are we have an uh an inaccurate image or or idea of ourselves because we are always kind of hyper aware of where we're at right now uh what we know right now what we how we think about things right now and it's hard sometimes, really hard. Sometimes you really need a, a, a sudden reminder. Sometimes, you know, you see a picture or somebody relates a story or to you about something you said or did 10 years ago. Oh, sure. And you're like, I did? What? <laughs> it's almost like somebody's telling you about a stranger because it's sure. so different from how you see yourself now. But 10 years ago, that's how you saw yourself. That's how you acted. That's how you looked. And you forget. Time rolls forward. You change. You learn. You grow. You mature. Maybe sometimes we take some stepwards, back back steps. (laughs) But however it happens, we are not the same person that we were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's perfectly normal. But because our self-image is always kind of in the present and is constantly being created and we're sort of thinking more future than we are past most of the time, um, you forget all that. And so you kind of get this idea, I was always like this. (laughs) And you will not. it's
1: convenient to forget some of <laughs> yes, that stuff. Yes, it very right? much
0: is, right? right? But we do ourselves a disservice, right? And of course, yeah. you know, there's only so much brain and there's only so many memories and you only want to remember so much. And some of that stuff you would really rather forget. So it's understandable how this happens. It's not a, I'm not saying this is some flaw in us. I'm saying it's a thing that happens. And and because it happens, we forget how much we've learned, how, how average we used to be maybe in something that we are now trained in or knowledgeable in or experienced in. And we don't give ourselves the credit for that forward motion or that growth.
1: And, you know, I said something earlier about reflection, right? Mm -hmm. Self-reflection. And I really think that it's very important for us in the learning process to reflect where we have been and what is it that we know now that we didn't, what perceptions have changed? So, Mm. you know, whether it's an eight-week course or a 10-week course, uh, many of the courses I teach do have a reflection piece. And nobody likes to do them, I think, because, you know, we have to look inward. And if people would look at those more like it is a tool to help you process where you've been and where you are now, you know, and where you intend to go. So I think that reflection is a great part of the process, especially as it does relate to imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah, big time, big time. That's, 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 that's I, I could not agree more. Um, another thing I wanted to like to say about that in terms of countering or fighting your own. Imposter syndrome right because it's really this feeling I I, we really didn't define it but we're you know we're talking about when you think you don't deserve to be there you're not the I shouldn't be here this is beyond I'm not up to this or I don't know enough or I'm faking it here or this feeling you get and I'm telling you it's strong it's powerful and it can be it can be quite debilitating even. Um, in, in some cases, or if you really lay into yourself about it. Right. And it's, and it's so. I
1: have seen it. I have seen it with students. I really have. You're, you're speaking the truth, Chris. (laughs) Um, and you know, I'll get a student will get past their first term and they're like, okay, wow, I did it. But oh, now everybody seems to know so much more than I do. There's so much more experienced. They have all of this. Well, They've got that same, you know, those same suitcases with all those self doubts. They may be a little bit different in their wardrobe, but they're bringing them to class too. But I, I think it's, it's very important to know that that I think it is part of the process.
0: Oh, absolutely, it is. I don't think there's any way around it. And I re, and the reason I say that, is I will fall back to um, this the second point I wanted to make about this, Sorry. which is this. Um, This, um, I'll relate it to Dunning-Kruger, right? This idea that, you know, the less you know about something, the more sure you can be that you know all about it. And, you know, that there is nobody who knows more than the beginner, right? And it's the experts who realize, they come to realize through the course of the learning and the experience they get doing that, how little they know, but there's a big, huge difference between those two levels is because the person who really doesn't know a whole lot won't let themselves think that way, right? They got it. They're all hepped up on the couple of tidbits that they've got or the little bit of knowledge they've gotten. They think they know everything. And you come through that, that sort of arrogant puffery and it's all about status and social groups it all makes sense it's not like it's some you know weird thing people do it but the more you learn there's a very very and it's almost a line in the sand i swear to god i almost remember the day it happened it's like the more knowledge you get the more experience you get the more accomplishments you accomplish i mean getting good grades moving forward on these programs You start getting this like confidence uh, that comes from good works or from knowledge that is, that that you, wow, I really did know that.
1: Yeah. And the recognition, right? Yeah, exactly. The the, the
0: diploma on the wall. Exactly. Right. So you come through that and there's a point. And I, 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 I don't know that everybody else experiences it this way, but it's how I experienced it was there was this point where I went, Wait a second. Look at all this I know. Look at all this stuff I've learned all these years, all this work. I have a YouTube channel. I, I, you know, I wrote a book. I've I, I got more books in me. I got all this stuff I want to tell people. Look at all this knowledge I have. Does the man on the street have this knowledge? Do the people who come out of cults have this knowledge? Do the people who um, even treat People who come out of cult, psychologists even have this knowledge. No, they don't they don't have any of it. I do. yeah and it's I know yours. it. and I know it's true and I know I'm right in this. I know from repeated instances of being right that I have confidence in what I know. You have the experience with Well, it. that's right and that and that that's with the beginning of the end of the imposter syndrome, I think because from there. There's a recognition of what you know and, it's, and, it, and a comfortableness with it. A, it's okay. This is what I know. But then right on the heels of that is, and look at how much more I have to learn. Absolutely. Look at all these que- I've answered all these questions and all they've done is present a whole array of new questions, things I don't yet know and I want to find out. But, but you realize that all those questions are only possible because of where you've gotten to. And you would never have been able to ask those questions back when you were really a neophyte and all puffed up on what you thought you knew, yeah, right? And so, so there's a huge gap there and there's a sudden recognition and acknowledgement of that progress that was made. And for me, that was a game changer because on that day, the expert thing suddenly made total sense. I am an expert in it, but that doesn't give me any rights to lord it over other people. It gives me the right to ask questions that I need to get answers to and, and, and find out and right. use what I do know to try to help people as best I can. That's my mission, right? Other people use knowledge yeah. for other things, but, but knowing that and reading, it's a plateau, you know, and it's like a place you go, ah, yeah, I really can see farther in this field. I cannot say that same thing for quantum physics or even, you know, for sociology even, or for, I don't know, engineering or something. I don't know anything about those things. I, I literally, I know, you know, what I know would fill a thimble. I mean, compared to what the real experts in those fields know and that was also part of the recognition of that was I'm on my own plateau. You want to know about this stuff? You come to me. If I want to know about that stuff, I got to go to those guys. I can't, exactly. just, I can't just make stuff up and say it's true because I have a title. That's not how this works. And you learn that there are imposters out there. That there are yes. people who fake it, and even they, they sure. some of some of them even have letters after their names. Absolutely. So you learn that there are that this is not a guaranteed result in everybody, and that it, that I believe it takes that reflection. I think another word for it is humility. Um, and I think that that's a really important part of the educational process is a recognition of what you know. In tandem with a recognition of what you still don't know but are willing to find out. And that's that's to me, that's the cure for imposter syndrome.
1: And you know, I think that people who exit a cult and, and have gotten out of a cult or a bad relationship or whatever and they're, you know, we all know what we know. We all know our lived experience. We know that and then when we go to get an education no matter what it is, if it's you know reading or you know if it's a self-education process or a formal education process, when we learn more about it in a, in a more formalized setting, we learn concepts, processes, and theories that make those experiences more understandable. Oh, that's what that's called. Or, oh, that's what that process was. And I think that that's where that degree comes in. Because Mm -hmm. now you have those underpinnings that relate to all those many years of experience and all the interviews that you've done and all of the different people that you've come in contact with and helped, whether it's, you know, whether people see it on YouTube or not, because there are certainly many people that you've helped and influenced outside of this channel and some of the shows you've done too. Mm. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of value in recognizing where you've been And where you are now. And and you know, why not look at where you're going? Why not
0: look at what's gonna happen tomorrow? Big time. Big time. Exactly. And that's and it and it really does help to get this education because for me, actually just building on what you just said there is, is that's one of the key things that there's just so much catharsis possible. There's so much healing possible with knowledge with the you know with rem- and and by that i mean really removing destroying if you will the mysteries the uncertainties and the fears that we yeah. that we developed in those coercive environments right where we were purposefully Subjugated or abused or traumatized for the benefit of somebody else, and right. and the uncertainty, the gaslighting, the the invalidation, and the you're nothing, and you mean nothing, and your value is only as value. You know, you only have as much value as the work you produce for this group, and those kind of sentiments that are you know beaten into you, sure. sometimes quite literally you know you come out of that kind of thing and you are a ball of uncertainties and question marks and 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 and, and invalidations right and and the reflexiveness you know you do a lot of self reflection but it's always in the most negative possible interpretation you are always the worst and the the you know the the most horrible and the stupidest and you know the clumsiest and the the most idiotic and and what education gives you is it really can give you back Parts of yourself by coming to a recognition that those things that were said and done to you were done in an effort to get you doubting yourself and your power and, and purposefully cutting you, you know, cutting you off at the knees over and over again to condition you to do it to yourself. And once you learn about how those mechanisms work, you learn about trauma and trauma bonding. And attachment and identity and what these things have to do with one another. These are powerful concepts because they can be utilized for the opposite. You can empower yourself with this knowledge. And you can and you can regain your self-certainty in, you know, and assurance and confidence in yourself that those people quite purposefully be Mm -hmm. out of you, you know, and that's, that's, uh, there is no, that's priceless. There's what you know, how do you, how do you pay for that? How do you, how you, you can't, it's, it's just, and it's so, I I want it for, I want it so badly. I want those things for every person who's, who's been treated that way, you Mm -hmm. know, to, to realize that, that you didn't deserve it. You didn't ask for it. It wasn't necessary. And um, and that there is a future that none of that has to exist in anymore. That's right. You know, and that's what the education did for me, and that's yeah. why I push it. So and
1: I far. think it, I think people can benefit from creating a new inner dialogue, right? And that's- one that is positive and that puts that. There's little voices aside that are always there, you know, nipping at your heels.
0: Yep. That's right. And
1: something that I have found in um, most institutions, uh, especially since COVID hit, a lot of institutions have groups and um, services to help people who have experienced trauma. Yes. Now, A lot of institutions have those as part of your tuition program. So again, you know, there are resources that exist that people may not have even thought about using. And I really kind of push those services to students. You know, I don't, I, I guess I create an awareness. I don't say, you know, prescribe anything, but I certainly try to create an awareness that, you know, use everything from the writing center to mental health to the career center to, you know, whatever, you know, you need a lot of your educational institutions have them and you should go ahead and, you know, make the most of your
0: experience. Absolutely. And I will say I, I took advantage of all of it. Um, Great. I, I, did, I did not I, well, I, mean, I, I did not get personal counseling. I did not feel I needed that level from my university, but it was there. Mm-hmm. It was there. It was an email away. Um, the advisor talks were pretty much all the counseling I needed on that. Yeah,
1: I needed those right? myself. Yeah, I
0: needed that badly, badly. Yeah. And and my advisor professor was 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 just Johnny on the spot with that. It was really perfect. And so patient with me. Um, and my 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 tirades, you know, I would I would get so mad. Uh, early on until I kinda got into how the program actually is supposed to go and what m- my role in it was. I can then,
1: only imagine you know, because oh,
0: I was fit to be your, tied sometimes. You know,
1: going back several years ago, I can I can remember some of the things that you said and I'd say, I just so wish you would go get an education. Then he'd understand more. Yes. <laughs> and now
0: you do. Yeah, well exactly. And now you and, do. But every Every video, every every uh, web page they had on the site about how to write papers, how to do all the mechanics yeah. of it, the do's and don'ts of being a student, what is what is plagiarism versus how do you talk to your fellow students without cribbing their ideas or they're cribbing yours, right? But but yet you can still have dialogue, of course. And, yeah. you know, for a little while, I was a little afraid to talk to anybody about anything because I was, you know, and then it was like, okay, no, no, you learn, you know, no, 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 it's not that at all. And, right. um, and, it's a
1: scholarly dialogue. It, well, exactly.
0: And, you know, and that's a whole separate thing from, you know, commiserating over the difficulties of the program, you know, you can do that. Right. It's okay. Right. Right. And, um, you know, and, and overcoming all that stuff, I took it full advantage of all those resources as well as I should say, I'm going to, um, I'll plug this, um, here is as part of getting through this process, it would, there was no way I could have had I not utilized uh, great courses Khan Academy free oh, yeah. resources that were available of uh, you know on the internet that are right there um, that can help you with some of the fill in the blanks on stuff that maybe you don't know about or you need a refresher on you know I I, I got a a, a book' I'm on the history of psychology 101 right and I read through the whole thing right at the get-go because I knew I wasn't doing that four-year degree, so what was I, what did I not know? Yeah. Sure enough, you know, it helped me a lot in giving me some background on on the subject I was going into and now having a, you know, master's level education in it. I thought it was kind of important to understand what Freud was about and what conditioning <laughs> is and, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so, right. you know, right. so you go back and fill in those blanks and... And it was and it was incredibly helpful, but it was also very easy. It was easy to find. All I had to do was really look and and those resources were there for me in the university and outside online. so so all of that is there for you guys too, you know, and I want to highlight all of that. Um, as we wrap this up here, huh? so uh, did you have? Um, did we bring up any anything you needed? You you wanted to say more about that we that I rolled right over the top of?
1: <laughs> no, I I think that I think we had a very natural flow to our conversation. Yeah. I think it yeah. emerged, you know, yeah. as they say, organically. Um, I think maybe some other time we we could talk a little bit more about those transferable skills that people yes, have.
0: Yes, great idea.
1: So we could, you know, kind of delve into that. And yeah. um, I'm sure your listeners have, you know, some questions about those things or some suggestions. So that might be an interesting chat.
0: Absolutely. Good point. And, and for you guys out there, if you're watching on YouTube or through my uh, sensiblyspeaking.com Website. Leave a comment. Leave a question. Leave uh, anything you're interested in about this topic, or something that you think might be helpful for yourself or for others. Um, because I look at all that, and uh, I'll be happy to incorporate that into our next talk. And I'm positive uh, we can pull it off, Pat, sooner than a year from now.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Hey, Chris. Before we close, yeah, I want to ask you something very important. Mm-hmm what did you do to celebrate your accomplishment
0: uh okay, well i didn't go to disneyland um okay <laughs> I, I did party um Good. definitely yes definitely partied um i um i was pleasantly surprised to get some um some you know uh some financial aid <laughs>
1: <laughs> good, good. That was
0: kind of fun, and uh, you know, from family and stuff, and uh, oh, nice. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, most importantly for my state of mind after finishing, I actually gave myself a week off.
1: That's and, wonderful. Yeah, I just yeah. I,
0: I stopped doing anything for a week. I just like chilled and uh oh, that good. was that was really that was the best part to be honest
1: <laughs> because it, it's important you know after you go through a program like that to recognize your accomplishment which you did and celebrate it with those you love so i'm really happy to hear you did that chris
0: big time thank you thanks for asking well pat i want to thank you for your time and your attention My pleasure. Here. yeah you're 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 this is just awesome stuff and uh And you're a great guest here. So thank you very much for being part of this. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. Take care of yourself. Awesome. Keep learning. Big time. And audience out there, thank you very much for sticking with us to the end here. Um, Of course, as I always do, I will say, if you are enjoying the channel, thinking it's uh, entertaining, informative, and educational, which I hope it is, then consider supporting the channel through Patreon, PayPal, Venmo, or other links uh, well I think those are the links below in the in the uh, description section on YouTube thank you very much for coming around I'll see you next week bye bye